What do tigers dream of when they take a little tiger snooze? Do they dream of mauling zebras or Halle Berry in her Catwoman suit? Uh, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jared Waters. I'm your host. The podcast is called One Man, One Tree, and a Hill. It's a podcast of being alone, about being alone with your own thoughts, and we're not alone with our own thoughts. We review the great episodes of One Tree Hill, and we interview marvelous people. We make a time capsule of thoughts, and we place it out there for the next generation, for the next generation, for the next generation. This podcast is sponsored by Frontline Roofing and Restoration. Frontline Roofing and Restoration is a business that hails in Ohio, and they restore roofs. And ladies and gentlemen, if you like your roof restored and you want a free a consultation or estimation how to get your roof inspected. You can use the promo code O-M-O-T-A-H. That's one man, one tree in a hill. If you'd like to call these lovely gentlemen, it is 513-375-7050. And the email is frontline.roof at gmail.com. And if you would like to go to their website, it's www.frontlineroofingohio.com. And ladies and gentlemen, let's get to these emails. A lot of emails asking me about our dear friend. A lot of emails. I think a lot of people, however they catch up on episodes, uh, the emails are about different people. And shout out to all the people who've emailed me about why I haven't dropped any, <laughs> why I haven't dropped any uh, One Tree Hill episodes. Again, I humbly apologize for that. Uh, a lot of people ask me about Tara. Is she back in America? She is not back in America. She is working on getting a J1 a J-1 or N-1 visa. That's what she's looking for. She's trying to get a J-1, N-1 visa to come back and teach inside America. But it was amazing having her come onto the podcast. We recorded this podcast maybe in the start of the pandemic. It was like maybe the, the yeah, the start of the pandemic is when we recorded it. And uh, it was great. We had a really good time. Uh, a lot of emails about Miss Riley Lassen. Miss Riley Lassen, you can probably catch her on the radio. Now she's on the radio show. She just became a co-host on a radio show in here in New York City, so that's amazing. And if you're if you follow her on Instagram, if you want to see wherever she performs, uh, just pop up and do that. And a lot of a lot of questions are still asking me about my friend uh, Miss B. Miss B, she's still Orthodox. Uh, that's her religion. She really loves that. And she is still single. She's still single. She invited me to a, I think it was a poetry night that she invited me to this past week. But uh, I'm doing stand-up all day, so it's really hard for me to get out and just, you know, I don't like taking breaks at all. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like taking nights off. But those are the things. Uh, a lot of emails about my thoughts about what's happening in the world. And I appreciate you thinking that I got the answers. Let's start with Brianna Taylor. Uh, last week we talked about Breonna Taylor's family settling a $12 million lawsuit. Now, when they settled that lawsuit, that was the writing on the wall letting me know that I already know the verdict is going to be there. And the reason, and sometimes, I'm trying to preface this the, more, the right way, like I knew what was going to happen. You know, being black in America, like you know exactly what the verdict is going to be. You know exactly what the outcome is going to be. But I still had hope. I still had hope, but it's just like, man, like the freak, you, they, they penalized the cops for reckless endangerment instead of like killing a person. That's pretty much what they did. They pretty much, and I was just, and I don't usually, you know, I like playing clips, you know, this is a time capsule of like, you know, my life and for, you know, people who ever find this, but, you know, it was just effed up about the whole thing is just like her death 
it's not going to go in vain, but it's going in vain. You know, these cops pretty much said, like, yo, this, they lied about the whole case. They, they effed up the evidence. I'm going to play a small clip of the Reverend Al Sharpton. And, you know, I have my views about Reverend Al Sharpton, but, you know, this podcast isn't here to, you know, demean other black people. So we're going to play a clip of what he has to say about Breonna Taylor's death. Here we go, folks. Breonna Taylor was taken. It does not address uh, being a, uh, a victim of being killed. The value of her life is not at all addressed in these charges. You could get endangerment if you shot in the air at nothing. You took a woman's life, a woman who was in no way should have even been in that situation because the person you were pursuing was not there. She committed no crime. She'll only act that night when she went to bed that night and she is dead. The indictment does not address the life. When we say Black Lives Matter, this indictment says it does not matter. To say that we've given some indictment which would be equivalent, again, if you fired outside a house in the air. Brianna. It's freaking crazy, man. It's just freaking wild. Brianna Taylor's life matter. This is the result of a disgrace and an abduction of justice in a criminal justice system that is racist in the time of fundamental changes now. It's from Bernie Sanders, right? And the thing about it is now the, now the wave is gone, right? The wave is gone in America where we're not forced to be inside anymore. And sometimes when the cameras aren't rolling, people don't care unless they physically can see it. You know, it turns out the cops don't have their body cams on. We can't see what happened, right? They kick open the door. No-knock policy meaning you can run it through the door. But, like, you're running at 12 o'clock in the morning. The freak do you think is going to happen, right? You know, I'm going to have black daughters, man. Like, I'm black. My kids are my kids are going to be black. I got to, you know, there's, there's things you worry about, man. Sometimes you wonder, like, yo, what the freak is wrong with people hating my people, man? I ask myself, and the thing is, like, it's just, you know, I think Andre 3000 said, why do people, the darkest people, suffer the most in each and everywhere in the world? And that's true. Every country you go to, wherever the darkest people are, they're the lower class. And, you know, you know, prayers out for the family, but $12 million, you know, okay, that's a lot of money, but the freak, the taxpayers are paying that. You know, $12 million is never going to bring back her, her life and her dreams and stuff like that in the central worker. You know, people just don't care about black women, man. It's freaking sad, man. It's effing sad. It's freaking tough. But, you know, prayers up to them. You know, it's just, it's just those moments where you just sit there and you're just wondering, like, you know. And I was going up in Louisville, you know. It's going to be going up and, you know, F it. Riots are going to happen. I think Mar- it was Malcolm X that actually said this. This is Malcolm X. This is a Malcolm X quote. Uh, he's talking about uh, black women. We're going to play that clip right now. Sorry if it's... The respected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, uh, person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. I was, I was saying that to... Uh, I don't want to bring it all to comedy, though, but I was saying that. I was talking to this female comic, and she was trying to tell me how hard it was to be a stand-up comic and how she has to do this and do this. And I said, now imagine if you were black. She just looked at me. I was like, you don't got to do twice as much stuff as a black comic has to do. Or a black female comic. Not even a black comic. A black female comic. Or the hoops that she has to jump into. Or if she says a curse where they could label her dirty and everything else. You know? But, you know... Cameras are rolling. People start caring when the camera's rolling. 
and just prayers up for him, man. It's tough, man. It's just tough to just think about this, man. Because, you know, imagine if Brown and Taylor looks like some of my cousins look just like her. I forgot my cousin, uh, Tamika, Tamika Waters. I talked about her a couple podcasts ago. Like, it's something, she's in Brazil right now, and she was saying how the Brazilians were asking her about black Americans, and they're asking, like, why are you guys called African Americans if you guys don't know where you guys are in Africa? And she goes, we don't know. It's like so much culture has been ripped from us that we have to develop our own culture, right? And she goes, the Brazilian kids that she was teaching, they're so far removed of what America was. And they're like, black people are rich. They all look like Steve Harvey. <laughs> and she was like, what? She's like, they got money to their ear and money on their phones. They're just watching World Star. And that's their view of black people, man. But it's, it's rough seeing people that look like you suffering, man. That's rough. And if you're a black person and you don't feel that, it's tough. I was telling this comic, I was like, yeah, it's cool to go to Black Lives Rally, Black Lives Matter rally. It's cool. It's good to use that as your background. But the freak are you doing for black people? And I'm not saying giving money, but like, what are you doing to actively stop racism? How do you have these microaggressions towards another black black comedian? That's not right. But you know, who am I? What do I know? What do I know? You know, what the freak did I know? Good news. Uh, Tammy Dotson was switched up with Tammy Dotson. Tammy Dotson is, uh, I would say, one of my mother's friends. We met her. I think we met her in when we lived in, I think in Japan, and she just retired. Twenty three years inside the military, she retired from the Air Force as a lieutenant colonel. And I watched her retirement video because of COVID. She didn't want to be have a traditional retirement ceremony, so she did it live. It's so funny when older people get on Facebook Live. What's up, Facebook? Hey, Facebook. <laughs> But it was amazing. She talked about how it was serving her military and serving her country. And I just want to say congratulations, man, because that's dope. I love seeing, you know, in this, this dark world, you got to celebrate the positive people. And Tammy Dotson, she served 23 years. She takes off her ranks and she took off her in her video. She's playing music and she takes off her ranks. She folds up her jacket. She folds it up, closes the video. And like military people, they, yo, they, they give up a lot, man. And I'll always make sure that we celebrate any, any, any accomplishment that any of my friends do, any promotions that they do, we gotta celebrate our armed forces, man. We gotta, we gotta do that. That was Tammy Dotson. The good news of that, uh, Kanye West, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, I really, I read that article. So what I did was I read these Kanye, and I'm a, I'm a, I gotta admit, I'm a freaking Kanye dude, man. I was sad to say, man, but freaking he made college dropout, man. <laughs> make college dropout. I just learned something about Kanye West. I never knew. In the favorite, my favorite album, College Dropout, I thought he had Bernie Mac on the album. Turns out that was D. Ray Davis pretending to be Bernie Mac. What? Now when I listen to it, what a horrible <laughs> what Bernie Mac and bro. No, we're gonna see it again. No, we're gonna see it again. Freak, I didn't even know that. But Kanye West is uh he's I don't want to say this publicly, man, but I think he's Dealing with your masters is crazy. That's what Michael Jackson and Prince did. As soon as they got their masters, something happened to them. So, you know, I hope nothing happens to Kanye West. He dropped this snippet of this sample, and this was the hardest song. I'm going to let you hear this. This is a snippet. You need something unexpected. You still feel protected. Just one time for the one 
Tell me that ain't hard. Jeez Louise. Come on, let's play this again. Sorry, folks. Just one more time. The great Kanye West. Here we go. Expected. Weapon. Protected. That's a snippet of Kanye West's new song. Yo, Kanye West is a freaking musical genius, man. And I'm gonna tell you this story, and I I, I got permission from this this comic that we met, this comic that I was talking to. He went to Kanye West's Jesus is King, and he's connected by his manager, and they're sitting there and they're talking about Kanye West, and Kanye West has an intellectual think tank, where all these geniuses of like different artists of different everything they go there and say Kanye West was describing this city, and no one could understand because he was so far removed out of this like. His genius stuff that they like they didn't understand what he was talking about. He's like creating a city. He bought nine hundred thousand acres in Wyoming. He's building a city. He said where people won't be hungry anymore. He's talking about plants and everything else and how to make different type of bowls and stuff. I really think he's I really think he's a genius. I think he's misunderstood not misunderstood. We just don't know what he's thinking. I feel like it's effed up every time he does something, his wife says something to undermine him. Like, he's not on his medicine. Kanye's not on his medicine. Girl, sit down somewhere. And with all due respect, with all due respect, I know that's his wife, you know. But freak, like, every time he says something prolific, he's not on his medicine. Like, so, is this the bipolar talking? Like, freak, like, let yay be yay, man. But, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully Kanye always gets his masters. But the reason why I said this because I read that he put his, his contract up there. And Kanye freaking renegotiated three different times to, to get a loan. To You pretty much had a chance to buy his masters, and he didn't take it. So that's like on him for being like a knucklehead. Like you had a chance to get your master's and you negotiated three times and you gave away your master's for a grip of money. And now he made all his money outside of music and he has to get his master's back. He does have the rights to his master's to everything after Jesus. And uh, who wants those albums? Like they're good albums, but there's nothing. It's not like My Dark Twisted Fantasy is his greatest album. College Dropout. <sighs> Late registration, 808, oh my God, 808's a heartbreak. That's my mother effing jam. <laughs> That's my effing jam right there. Say you will. I remember my boy Marcus Best. He got a girl pregnant in college. And it's his son now. His son's like 10 years old. But I remember he got her pregnant. And we drove to Virginia, listening to that song the whole way there. He was just depressed, <laughs> sad. <laughs> and we're just listening. Let me know, do I still got time to grow? Things ain't always set in stone. Let me know, let me know. Seems like street lights flowing happen to be just like moments passing. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, Kanye West. Other news, other news. Shout out to my girl AD by the Sea, man. She's lacing me with all these jewels. A lot of people are seeing me on these streets and asked me where I got this Mr. Waters chain. AD by the Sea, we did a podcast together. We're going to drop her episode soon. I have so many episodes. We just have to drop them out soon. And how she's a jeweler. She's a jeweler. And she makes these custom jewels we met in Japan uh, maybe 20 years ago, 20 years ago. But shout out to AD by the Sea. Uh, she's black and white. Just going to give you some preference of what she is. Good. So shows for me. So what happens is, this is what I say about 
networking and it's about about the game of comedy. If you're not aware, we're in phase five of New York. We're pretty much everything's open at twenty five percent capacity, but comedy clubs will open up. October comedy clubs are going to open up, but they have to be at twenty five percent capacity. So that's maybe. 10 people in the audience, so not a lot of people. Some clubs are used to having 10 people in the audience, but not a lot of people. A lot of comedy clubs can't sustain. So what's happening in New York City is every comedian now is putting on shows in parks, outdoors, everything else, and it's been so freaking fun. So freaking fun because now in life, especially me, I'm out in park shows, and it's the first time in a long time that every comedian in New York City is on the same playing field. We're all in the same swamp. You run into alligators you've never seen before, old alligators that forgot the ways of the swamp, but now are ready to get back into the swamp. So we're running into this swamp that we're all in, right? And what's happening inside this swamp is that since there's not a lot of shows, when you're on a comedy show, everyone's watching. I was doing this show, and this comedian, I'm not going to say, I don't have... I don't have comedians that I look up to. Now, I'm inspired by my friends, but I don't look up to their success. My success is my success. But they're like people that help me out along the way that I, I cherish and appreciate. But this comic, he's talking to me, and he goes, uh, are you on the show tonight? So what happens is Monday, I did this this show at 6 o'clock, but, you know. So what happened was Sunday, let's go back there. Let's back that up to We'll back it up to Sunday. So Sunday, I'm not booked on Sunday, but I'm booked on something later. So I go to the show at 1 o'clock. I said 2 o'clock in the afternoon, very early show. This guy TJ and this girl Fawn, they run the show. And I go there. I'm not on the show, but I'm just going there. Just, you know, just show my face and, you know, just network. And, just, you know, just, it's all about, you know, people support my show. I support theirs, you know. So I go there. I'm chopping it up. And I meet this comic. I don't know him yet, but it is Dan. I meet this dude Dan. We're chopping it up, you know, having a good time, hanging out with my dude Wilfred. And there's another classic comics. I'm letting them. They've had like years in the city, so they have a different bond. And I talked to the guys pretty much that I came up with. And I'm talking to Dan. I never met Dan before. And uh, Dan goes, you look so familiar. I was like, where have we crossed paths? And he goes, oh, yes. You're the comic. You're the comic that was sitting in the rain in that picture where everyone's like the rain is falling. He goes, dude, I was at that show. You did like 30 minutes in the rain. I said, like, yes, I did, sir. Yes, I did. He goes, well, look, I got a show. I was like, look, I got a show. Look, come to my show and visit it. So I go to the show Monday. And holy F, these boys got the, they do a show in a classic car shop, right? So every time you're performing and these Ferraris are behind you, these Beamers, these Bentleys, Beamer Benz and Bentleys are there. And Mother F and Ray Lewis is there. Ray Lewis, two-time Super Bowl champ. Big Ray Lewis is there. And uh, freak Derek Gaines, Mark Norman, Nimesh Patel. And these are like a very rich crowd. These are like these are big ballers, right? And I'm a big baller, but these are some shot callers. This one dude goes, I hope everyone's having a good time. I bought drinks for the whole house. Everybody get a drink on me. He brings shots. And I'm calculating and say, oh, this guy just dropped $7,000 on shots. Just to say, hey, man, I appreciate you guys. Just doing some big ballerness moves. So Ray Lewis goes over there. I was like, freak, let's go meet Ray Lewis. He goes, yeah. So I walk over. I was like, yo, what's up, Mr. Lewis? And we're Dan. And he's watching the football game, so you can see in his eyes, he's trying to say hi, but at the same time, he knows, like, look, I'm trying to watch the, and he goes, look, after the game, we'll chop it up. But I didn't have enough time after the game, freaking, I work, you know what I mean? So I was, I was hanging out for a minute, but I was like, I'm going to try to get another show where I can, so I'll leave that show. But as I do that, it's about being a nice person, you know? Sometimes in this game, it's not about who can give you a spot, it's about, like, would you support a spot? You know, like, even if you're not, a, you know, I'm not on tonight, you know, that tonight, I'm not, you know, I'm not telling jokes that night, you know, that night, things didn't fall for me the way I expected to fall, 
you know, miscommunication. I didn't get on the show, but I went to the show to support her. I didn't expect to get on. I just supported her. He's like, and me and Danny just chopped it up. Like, yo, thanks for coming. I said, dude, no problem. He goes, hey, do the next one. You got, you got dang right I will. Gas it up, Turbo. Turbo! Sorry, uh, shout out to my dude, Steven Turbo. That's my spirit animal, Turbo. Right? Gas that up. Then Tuesday night comes. Tuesday, uh, same thing. Uh, supposed to do a show, guy. Wrong date, whatever. I don't stress it. I don't get upset. I end up doing this corporate... This corporate Zoom show, and I'm not opposed to doing Zoom shows. You know, the money's good. I'll just, I'll do it. You know, it's not that hard. It's super easy to just do Zoom. And I, I this lady asked me to do it like pre-pandemic, and I just kept saying no. I was like, okay, I'll do it, no problem. So I do it, and then Wednesday's my show, our hour show, me and Matthew Aravello show. And shout out to everyone who listened to the podcast that came through, and we met for the first time. Trust me, I'm down to earth. We adapted up everything else. So if you don't know before that, the reason why I came late was because, you know, I'm still working, you know, still working. So, you know, we had to do like a back to a back back to school night or whatever. And, you know, nobody shows up but one person or doing via Zoom. So I have to get to Queens all the way from Harlem, right? So it takes me maybe 40 minutes to get there on a the bus. And I tell Matthew, Matthew's young, he's 20 years old, right? So there's a lot of things that I talk to him about. And, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a mentor of him, but I don't want to big homie him. There's a lot of young comics that I, I, I talked to because I was a young, I remember starting when I was 18. I remember being 18, lost, not knowing what to do, wishing that someone would have guided me instead of just being in college, doing random stuff to get up. Then I remember when I was 21, when I finally understood a little bit about stand-up. Then I remember 22, actually realizing, okay, this is what stand-up is. This is where I need to be. I need to be at clubs. I need to be doing open mics. I need to be doing this, right? Like I need to be around the fire. So anytime I get around these young comedians, I never big homie them. I never make them feel like I'm better than them. I just have this time to like say, yo, this is what I think. Try it. If it works, it works. So me and Matthew, Tuesday night. Okay, yeah, Tuesday night. So we go to this show, Take It Outside Comedy. And uh, we see uh, this girl from SNL. She does She does a lot of impressions. It was funny because she had a really good set, but she did a Michael Jackson impression. And the impression, the punchline is within the bits. But she does an impression and this black dude goes, oh, that don't sound like Michael. Who's she sounding like? <laughs> she does that. And I was telling Matthew, you know, Matthew, he's young. And I see it in his eyes. He's just like, man, I, sh- I could kill right now. Man, I- oh, I I'll freaking do 15 minutes and kill. I think I did that. And I said, the thing is, Matthew, and I'm not being disrespectful. Nobody knows you, man. You're not out here. I'm out here. I was like, no, you're not out here. I said, because if I'm walking, I should be able to see you everywhere I'm going. That's why I'm out here. Right. And I'm telling him, I was like, look, you got to. I said, so I try to put him in situations where people can understand his name. I said, this is my friend, Matthew. Yeah. I say something interesting about him so people can know this is something interesting that stands out about him. So he's chopping it up and he makes the girl from SNL laugh because this lady was holding her baby and they dropped the stroller and the stroller falls down. I run to go get the stroller and turns out another dude was holding the baby. She was just holding the blanket. So Matthew made a joke like, dang, they didn't even care about the baby. Then she busts out laughing. And he has confidence, and I'm telling him, I was like, look, man, to get on this show, you have to show them that you're, you're worth getting on the show. Now, think about these lineups they have. These lineups are the best in New York City. And if you think you're the best in New York City, you got to show people you're the best in New York City. When you're on a comedy show, you got to pop out. you got to stand out, man. And you got to be out here so people know your name. 
You know, you might not know me, but you're going to know Jared Waters. Jared Waters, that name sounds familiar. I've been seeing his name a lot. So, yeah. So, Wednesday's our show, and I tell him, like, hey, I'm going to be late. I need you to set up the cameras. You set up everything else. I'm going to send a co-host to help you. Stefan goes. Stefan's there at 630 because he knows. He's from the Midwest. He knows you be punctured for a show, and he shows up at 7 o'clock. And it's the third week in a row he showed up at 7 o'clock, and I'm talking to Matthew. I said, look, man, don't tell me you're ready to get on and you can't take care of your own show. Don't tell me that you're ready to do this when you don't take pride in this. You can't show up late. And it's, and it's, it's stuff that you would tell yourself as an excuse because, like, man, traffic. I was like, if you knew traffic was going to be late three weeks ago, you should be here before traffic. You know, this is your show. Take pride in your show. I know I'm here with you and we run the show together, but you got to take pride in it, man. It just shows me that I can't leave the show and leave you in the hands because you'll let anything happen. He gets down a little bit. I was like, you know, I got nothing but love for you, but I need, you know, I need to let him know that tough type of love to be like, look, take advantage of it, man. My whole goal is for you to be, to be like water, man. When I'm not there, you can still flow. So he's doing good. And we actually have a good show. It's a good show. Jessica Levin, she goes up, she does well. And uh, then, so Matthew, you know, he's still young. He's like, let's, right, let's give a guest spot. Let's give five minutes to somebody. And I tell him this. I said, look, you can't reward comics for showing up. You got to reward people for being in the swamp. If a comic was really wanting to be on the show, they would have been here at 6.30, 7 o'clock, as soon as the show started, right? Because that's when we would have known who's not showed up yet, who can hop on the show. You know, you can't feed people. Look at you. I said, you go to shows early. Do they put you on? He goes, no. He goes, people in my class, I said, you got to show you that they're hungry, man. You got to find a wolf. He goes, I'm a wolf. I said, nah, man, not yet. He is a wolf, though, but that's my guy. That's my guy. So when me and him host, it's magic because we have a rapport with each other, and we're like, we're friends. We like each other. So him and Stefan really don't know each other, so they're trying to get out bits. And at the end, now we get the ball rolling. James Goff from ABC, he comes through. He gets up. Then uh, Athir Yacoub, that's my girl. Uh, she does well. And then we just had a, a great show. But the guy who stole the show, was Eric Branstein. Eric Branstein is a comic who's probably doing it for like 15 years, 15, 16 years, hasn't got his break yet in the city. And this is probably, you know, I I truly appreciate this guy because I remember being in New York, like looking for spots, and he's always the guy to hit me up like, yo, Jared, I got a spot. Jared, do you want to get on? Jared, there's a show. Jared, there's a show. Jared, there's a show. And truth be told, I told him to do the show on the 23rd, but I forgot about it because I forgot to write it down. And he goes, we're still on for 23rd? And I was like, did we say we're on? And he goes, look. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did say yeah. I said, like, yeah. I said, look, I kind of overbooked the show, but the 30th, you're more than welcome to get on and rock out. And he goes, uh, I'll just come by and see what the show is like. I was like, all right, good. And you can see him feeling it. He's seeing the opportunity in the crowd because we have older women there because I've been promoting the show to like a story group. So now all these just 50-year-old women are there. <laughs> It's cool having him there, but he's there. And Eric goes up, and he hit, He just freaking hits it. Bam, 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 bam. I was like, I was freaking out. He's supposed to do eight minutes. He did 15. And then my guy, Dwayne Murphy, we started out in college together. And uh, and he closed it out. So that was a show. And I, uh, I love Dwayne. I love Dwayne. We've had our discrepancies in the past. You know, I think it's because we were both young, young black comics in the same town, and we were you know, I have a different personality. He has a different personality. But over the years, we've grown to just love each other and realize distance made us love each other. And I told him, he hit me up. He goes, yo, I'm going to be in New York. Can I come to your spot? And I said, my N-word, whenever I got a stage, you got a stage. You know, I'm always putting my people on. Like, dude, I don't care. And I was thinking, I was like, close it out. Do how much time you want. Do 20. I don't care, man. 
you know, it's all love, man. I remember the trenches coming up with you in North Carolina, man, doing these hectic schedules and stuff. But it's 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 a it's an eye opening, revealing when you look at how you developed as a person, right? As you developed as a person, I'll come back to that later. So Thursday, Thursday, uh, uh, I didn't get on Friday. I do the show on Staten Island. Peter Avello, Mike Bricks, uh, very good dudes. And that's the first time I ever got on the Staten Island Ferry. Turns out, dude, it's a free ferry. I went to go pay, and they told me the ferry is free. I would be, I would have been gone to Staten Island so many times to get on a ferry, twenty four hours, just to get on the ferry. I'm about to start going. Beautiful seeing New York from the outside. You get to see the skyline. You get to see the Freedom Tower. I was there taking pictures, everything, man. So I do the show. Amazing show. I was supposed to close it out, but these two comics were dating, and they wanted to like space out the jokes because all her jokes are about him and his jokes are about her and. You know, cool. And I was like, I don't care. I'll bring some. I got some fire for everybody, baby. I got some fire for you too, Turbo. So after the show, uh, me and Peter talk. And me and Peter, we came up together. We came up in the scene together. You know, like when I got here, he was one of the guys that, he's not jaded from the business, but he's uh, he's he's a guy like me. He likes to call it how he sees it. Right? And he said something to me. We like we spent, we spent like hours after the show. We spent hours together just walking on the, like I walked to the memorial for, like on Staten Island, there's a memorial of like letters of all these firemen who died, and there's like flowers there. And I was just walking, cause I'd never seen it before. And he's like showing me like firefighters that he, you know, uncles and stuff that he grew up with that like ran into 9 11 and stuff. And we're sitting there talking about comedy. And I'm telling him, I was like, you know what, man, you're a mentor. You don't understand it, but people look up for you. He's like, ah, man, what are you? I was like, I'm serious, man. People respect the time you put in the scene. And, you know, I like to invest into the new comedians. And he goes, I can tell that you've hit another switch in comedy. You could feel it. And I was like, dude, I felt, I feel it too. Like, I've had this several times in my life where I thought I was good and then I've hit another part and I don't like the thing that I thought I was good at. Like recently I just watched a video from like 2010, me doing stand-up, and I almost, I almost threw up in my mouth. 2011, I was saying stuff just, I would probably get canceled for the stuff I was freaking, the wild stuff I was saying. Right, the song, that's freak. But at the time when I was in Greenville, North Carolina, there wasn't that many comedians, and I thought I maxed the funniness of Greenville. And then I went to Raleigh, and I met these other wolves, and I was like, oh, freak, this is a whole other type of stand-up. My stand-up works, but I don't know enough about stand-up, so I go to Florida. I moved to Orlando. Orlando, don't really, I'm in Orlando, but I'm working so hard, I didn't have enough time at night. Then when I moved to Tampa, I was like, okay, now I see what comedy is. Okay, now I can... Even when I think I'm the funniest here, oh, freak, I got to go against all my guys because all my guys, and it's nothing competitive, just like these guys are always looking to be funny, always looking to be funny, always evolving their jokes and stuff. So when I moved to New York, the jokes I was doing in Tampa, I had to learn another switch because I was slow-paced. I did a lot of misdirections and big, giant stories, and it's hard to tell a big, giant story when you only have two minutes to make somebody laugh at an open mic. And I'm like, freak, I got to change my act. So then I started hitting faster, right? And then recently I thought I was hitting the fast. And then when the pandemic hit, I switched three jokes around. And it's just like now it's like bam, bam, bam. So this girl, she asked me for a tape. She works for this company. Uh, they work for these studio companies. Like, can you send me a tape? And I was like, dang, I don't even want to send you my tape post pre-pandemic. I don't want to send you the tapes post-pandemic. So I feel like I've hit a switch because I feel it in my bones. In my bones and in my body that something's about to happen. 
I don't know what it is, but I freaking feel it. Every comic feels it in the city because we're all down there. I'm talking to my guy, Eagle. And Eagle goes, yo, and Eagles, he's my guy. You know, we don't, I remember I moved to the city, him and this dude, Alice Payne, they're hosting an open mic, but Eagle, like, got passed at the Comedy Cellar, and he's just always been a dude who respects comedy and just always, you know, never, you know, he's always just a funny guy. We're sitting there talking, and he goes, dude, man, it's just, it's dope finally seeing you, seeing you get, being a funny guy and getting the rewards, you know, I'm seeing you on a lot of flyers now, and you know, it's dope. You've always been funny, man. It's glad that more people are acknowledging it. I was like, yo, thanks. I appreciate it, big dog. Then I'm talking to my dude Drex because I did. Oh, okay. So that was Friday. Then Saturday, I do the show in Astoria Park. In Astoria Park, I'm, I'm freaking running late. These trains are running down. And uh, we go through. Now, in comedy, what happened was, so the show's supposed to start at 6.15. I get there maybe 7.00. No, I get there maybe 6.45, 6.45, right, 6.45. A lot of people dropped out of the show, so he really needed people to come. So Sam Morrison goes up, and he's like, I forgot he told me. he's this. Sam is from Florida, so I give him a hard time. But sometimes you got to call people out when they say some crazy stuff. He goes, where do you live, Brooklyn? And I was like, no, I live in Harlem. That's right, you run a show in Harlem. I said, no, I don't. Yeah, don't you have a show in Harlem at a basement or something like that? I said, didn't you used to be a police officer? He goes, no, why would you say that? I said, because all black people must look alike to you, right? He goes, no, oh, I said, me and Ishmael do not look nothing alike. I get, he gets awkward and stuff like that, but I was effing with him, but at the same time, I was like, nah, we ain't the same. So Sam goes up, and then Brandon Sagalov goes up. That's the dude I told you who didn't want to perform in the rain. So he does well, he does well, because these kids are trying to fight an adult of the park, this guy named Max. He moved from San Diego. Now he lives in Queens now. He's doing a show in his hometown, so everyone's out. And then I'm about to go up, and I set up my camera, and then Chloe, this girl named Chloe goes up. She goes, hey, how are you? I was like, oh, good seeing you. So I'm setting up my camera. I'm walking upstairs. She goes, oh, he didn't tell you? I was like, what? I'm bumping you. Now, bumping you in comedy means like you're about to go up, and someone pushes you back into the lineup, right? Pushes you back into the lineup. And I had no problem, but I really had to go because I had to go to another show. And I was like, freak, I wish they could have told me. I already set my camera up, and I have to walk through the crowd and get it. She goes, no, no, if you have to get out of here, I was like, that's fine, whatever, just go up, you know, I don't care. So she goes up, she does well, but this is how crazy God is, right? God is, because I was in my emotions a little bit about it. I was like, man, I freaking really need to leave. I really want to go. And, you know, I know as soon as they do their sex, all these comments are just going to take off. They're only going to stay for her because, you know, she's got clout in the city now. And I was like, I know these comments are going to bounce out and leave. They don't support. And uh, I was like, F it. So... So she gets off. She takes off. All the other comments leave during her set, and they leave. Everyone has other shows. So as I set up my camera, as soon as I touch the microphone, as soon as I grab the microphone, the microphone goes out. As soon as I grab it, boop, it's out. I'm like, freak, right? And I tried, and I was like, as soon as I did it, I said, F the microphone, let's go a cappella, and I walk right into the crowd. And it's just like, I've been prepared. This has happened to me maybe four times during this pandemic where I just don't need a mic. I teach, freak. It's not hard projecting your voice. So I'm doing that, and the show's going well. And then what happens is this young comic, he goes up. He hasn't been doing it that long. He goes up after me, and he does really well. Turns out he brought all these people. So these people are all here to see him, hometown hero. And he talks to me, and he goes, dude, I say, man, you had a great set. I just want to stay and tell you congratulations, man. It's it's an amazing performance in front of your family. Keep getting up. If you won't need anything, let me know. 
I never want to be the type of comic that never helped out anybody, you know? Like, everyone's going to start somewhere. Kareem Green told me, he said, it don't matter if a comic is funny now. That comic might develop and be some, something else. It could be a producer, a director, anything else. You don't know what they're going to be. Stand-up is just their outlet now. So I'm talking to him, and he says to me, he's like, honestly, dude, you inspired me when you got up there and said, F the microphone. Because I was worried about a microphone. Now I realize I got to project my voice. And I was like, oh, freak, I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I was the one that had to suffer through this because I can handle it. You know what I mean? Like, I'll project my voice, I'll throw my voice, I'll do everything else, walk closer to the crowd, switch it up. So that was good. So then after that, I had to run to 100th Street. That is, I don't think, that is Harlem. It's Harlem, but it's Central Park. Central Park near Harlem. Central Park is in Harlem. So I got to go there, right? Parts of Central Park in Harlem. So I got to go there. So I have to catch a M60 bus instead of catching this. I could have got a $50 Uber. I could have, but I was like, I didn't feel like it. So I had to catch this bus. And as I'm walking, I'm maybe 600 yards away from the bus. I got my East Carolina bandana, and I see the bus, and I take off running full speed. Now, I'm not going to say I'm a 4-3 anymore, but I'm running. I finally dodge traffic, run on there, just hop on the bus, and I dropped my bandana. So pissed off I dropped my bandana because I got that in college and I love my East Carolina bandana. Get on the bus. I get on the bus. After I get on the bus, I get to Harlem. I get to Harlem. I catch a train. Catch a train. boo doo 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 I text a guy. Should be there by 9. 9. No worries, Jerry. You're closing the show out. Close the show out. Running to Eagle. Right? The guy said that. So, like, good. Like, Eagle, because I'm going to stay for your set. Right? And it's something performing in front of your peers. Like, I'm inspired by my peers. You know, of course. And I like being around Eagle because he talks about greatness, and that's what I talk about. He's like, yo, Chappelle's a good. We're talking about Dave Chappelle, about how he takes bits and just make them so great. And like now Dave Chappelle has been, he understands that he's the greatest of all time, and now people are starting to believe it. But the thing is, Chris Rock is the greatest of all time. Me personally, he just wants other people to say it for him. He's so humble. And then he tells me a story about Chris Rock. I, I think I can air it. About... uh. <laughs> Uh, about said that this uh, I can't say it I freaking can't say it. he told me not to say it. I can't it's a comedy story I I can't I, I can't say the story I can't say it even though he told me I'm proud I can't say it I can't say it freak I can't say it even though I didn't sign an NDA I can't say it. it's too much of a Chris Rock story and I love Chris Rock too much to tell the story about him but freak just if you ever see me ask me about the Chris Rock story I'll tell you about it so we're talking about greatness. And then I was like, hey, man, if you and your lady want to double date me and mine, we can go bowling. We're not that competitive. He goes, me and my girl are competitive. I was like, well, me and my lady are competitive, too. So, you know. But it's just dope being around people, man. I remember doing mics and stuff with him and just seeing him where he is and seeing where I'm at. I'm talking to Drex. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, the thing about Drex, Drex Clemens is that uh, he reminds me of myself when I was like 20 years old. He reminds me of who I would have been at 21 years old if I had lived in New York City. So when he tells me stuff, I was like, dude, I've been there where you are, man. You just got to, you got to, you have to embrace who you are. You can't, Walter Mercado, that's my favorite quote by this. You can't rehearse to be who you are, man. Who you are is going to ooze out of your veins. It pours out of you. When things get tough, when something happens, when things don't go right, who you are as a person is definitely going to come out. So that was Saturday, right? So then I have to run to another show, which is on the rooftop. I do that show and I have to run back because I'm doing this Zoom show, right? Because this, it's about these teachers of teachers teach of America or something like that, teachers lounge. This guy does it. And Devin Seabold, he's one of my homies from Florida. He suggested me to do it, so I did it. And I noticed about a lot of their sets. 
not Devin, but a lot of the other sets were just like about teaching. And I think they don't realize I only do like maybe three minutes about teaching. And then after that, it's like real stand up. Not saying it's not stand up if you're not a teacher, but it's just like I have other. I can't talk about teaching for more than 10 minutes because it's uh, like who gives an F, right? It's like a niche. It's like a niche a little bit. Like it's like the t- if it's a teacher crowd, you can keep doing teacher bits and it kills. But if you're not with a teacher crowd, some people are just like, all right, what are they going to talk about next? So it was good to do it, to be all like, man, I did this crowd, and I know what they were expecting, but I did what I wanted to do, and it still went well. Like, it still went really well, and that was dope. Now, today, which is Sunday, I'm going to Connecticut. I'm off to Connecticut for some comedy show. It is in Milford, Connecticut. I'm doing a show with Andre Kim. Andre Kim. Andre Kim, he called me Wednesday night at my show. But there's another comedian named Brian Kim. They're both from Korea, right? So I was like, why do, why is, so it said Andre Kim on my phone. I know it's Andre Kim, but I was like, oh, it must be Brian. Maybe I wrote, Andre's name is Brian. And I, and I, because Brian goes, yo, I'm gonna come back. So let me know if you're back. So he calls me, he goes, what's up? I said, yo, Brian, we out here, baby. Come out here, pull up. And uh, Andre walks up to me downtown. He goes, dude, I called you. And you said on the phone, hey, yo, we out here, baby, pull up. And I was like, what? And then you, then you hung up the phone. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the road with him. We're doing some shows in uh, Connecticut tonight. And then Monday's a holiday. It's uh, Yom Kippur. So I got the day off. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening right now. That's me alone with my thoughts on the hill. Rest in peace to Breonna Taylor. And uh, to the cops that killed her, I, I, I hope you have a rough life. I hope you get ingrown toenails and you can never walk again at all. And a shout-out to everybody that email. Shout-out to the people that download. Shout-out to the people who listen. And, you know, this is just my thoughts. Who am I? You know, I'm just a man. I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody about a man who could save anybody. That's all I am. You know what I mean? Jared Waters, two-time wrestling champ. And congratulations. If anyone has any success, let me know. I love celebrating my friends. I love celebrating anything else. This is alone my thoughts on my hill. Uh, to that man named Garrett McCall, a.k.a. Roland Doja, please take us out with the theme song, sir. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. It's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy. And they're all sitting at the table. And I walk up to Eddie Murphy. And I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Be the next Jamar neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.